Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today's birth story is with Nicole Joy, whose experiences have taken her from a cesarean birth to a VBAC to an unexpected and unassisted home birth. She has gone from being afraid of giving birth and letting others guide her decision-making to trusting the process and being able to tell an EMT to get your hands off my vagina as her baby's body was about to merge. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Vistaprint, helping you create personalized holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts. Go to vistaprint.com and use the code BIRTHFULHOLIDAY for 50% off your cards and calendars. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Green Chef, a USDA-certified organic company that includes everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thanks again for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors, which in today's case are Vistaprint and Green Chef. And if you're listening to the show on the day that I posted it, then tomorrow is Thanksgiving in the U.S., and if that is where you live, I hope you have a very, very happy day surrounded by loved ones with lots of oxytocin and great food. And frankly, I wish that to all of you, who, wherever you're listening from, even if it's not Thanksgiving. I am so very grateful to be one of your go-to resources during this transformative time in your life. So thank you for that. I am going to be giving thanks definitely tomorrow um, for that and all the wonderful birthful things that I get to do. All right. Thanksgiving, though, is usually followed by a whole lot of sales, and already many of you had jumped on the birthful pre-Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Saturday, Cyber Monday, Super Sale, all the things, where you can get both or either my Birth Partners Labor Support Toolkit and my Thrive with Your Newborn Postpartum Preparation classes at a deep discount. These are amazingly useful resources that give you incredible value at their regular price. And I know this because I get feedback from happy buyers all the time. So if you're pregnant, do take advantage of the sale. Let me help you get birth and postpartum ready at a great discount. Just go to birthful.com and follow the links to shop and use the code THANKFUL on checkout to get your discount. That will get you a whopping $70 off my Thrive with Your Newborn postpartum preparation class or $20 off the birth partner support. Uh, labor support toolkit. You use the same code for either one. And I've also included direct links on the show notes. So you, you can just click through, but be sure to use the code thankful on checkout to get the discount. Also, of course, you can use the code to get both, which would make it an even sweeter deal. Learn more at birthful.com and use the code thankful to get you birth and postpartum ready. When November is done, so is this deal. So don't miss out. All right. Today's birth story had me on the edge of my seat. Since her first pregnancy, the heaps of transformation that Nicole Joy has gone through is immense. She's had a cesarean, a vaginal birth after cesarean or VBAC, and just 11 weeks ago, her daughter was born at her home in an unplanned, unassisted birth. Nicole is here to tell us all about it. Nicole, welcome to the show. I can't wait. I am so happy to have you here. 
Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I am excited to hear about your stories because they're like, uh, I don't know, I'm anticipating a lot of excitement. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very exciting. That's for sure. Well, um, but before we jump into the stories, and you have three, three mm -hmm. stories and three kids. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm Nicole Joy. I am a mom of three. I live in Tampa with my husband, our kids, and our Rottweiler. And after my second birth, I decided to leave my prior career. I was in real estate finance. And so I left my career because I was just forever changed by my second birth. Um, I became a birth doula, a childbirth educator, a pregnancy coach, and basically kind of a birth junkie. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And I now host a private group of like 1300 women right now where, you know, we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and it's really incredible. Fantastic. And what is it called? It's called Empowered Moms. And it's a private group on Facebook, women only, because we talk a lot about, about some very, very private things, of course. So I try to keep it to women only. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So... Where do you want to start? I know I want, we want to focus more on the third birth, but give us a little bit of an overview of your first two. Sure. So my first baby, when I was pregnant in 2013, I had a very healthy pregnancy, no complications. And towards the end of my pregnancy, my OB at the time, who was a highly regarded obstetrician in my area, um, suggested that I schedule a C-section because she thought my baby would be too big. Um, so they thought he was between eight and 10 pounds and I panicked. Um, and I really just trusted what she was telling me and didn't know any better at the time. And so I went ahead and scheduled my C-section just thinking that, you know, she knows what's best. Um, she's like the best doctor around and I trust her. So I had my cesarean. Um, it went well. My recovery, you know, recovery from cesarean is challenging, but it went well, luckily. And fast forward a little bit and I had moved out of Tampa and I was living in Chicago at the time, which has a very different birth culture. Uh, so when I found out I was pregnant with baby number two and I was living in Chicago, I was exposed to just a completely different type of prenatal care. And I started seeing a group of midwives. Um, well, actually I was seeing an OB and he mentioned that I was a candidate for a VBAC and I didn't even know what a VBAC was. So when he told me that I could still have a vaginal birth after having my first cesarean, I was pretty shocked and confused. I just, I never knew that was possible. It was not very popular where, I, where I'm from in Tampa. And so um, this was news to me. So I just started researching everything I could get my hands on, um, trying to make the best decision for me and my family. And I decided to go ahead and proceed with my plans to VBAC. So um, around week 31-ish, I went for one of my prenatal visits and that OB was doing a, a measurement of my belly. And he said, you know, uh, she's looking like she, my baby, is looking like she might be a little on the bigger side. And if we're thinking she's going to be over seven pounds, I don't think you'll be successful having a VBAC. So immediately I kind of thought, okay, this is not going to work because 
I grow healthy size babies. My first was eight pounds, 15 ounces. And I had a good feeling she would be more than seven pounds. And I didn't like the feeling that he was saying he didn't really have faith in me if she was going to be bigger. So I went home. It was pretty sad, had a moment and then pulled myself together and started making phone calls. And I luckily found a group of midwives right across the hall, actually, and started seeing them that late in the game. And they just completely supported me and were, you know, amazing. So I did proceed to have a VBAC um, in the hospital with an epidural. And it was just absolutely amazing and just so incredibly healing for me. Um, and so after I had my VBAC, a few months went by, uh, I was on maternity leave and I realized there was just with what I learned and with what I realized from my body and what my body was capable of, I just couldn't go back to my old job. I couldn't go back to real estate. And so, um, I decided to start to make a shift and leave my job and really start to kind of dive into the birth world because I just found it so fascinating. And I loved working with women and talking to women about what I just did. So, um, I planned on not having any more children. And then we moved back to Florida, not long later. So maybe a year later, we were back in Tampa and my husband and I decided to go for a third baby. I was a little worried at first when I found out I was pregnant because I just didn't think that the Tampa Bay area had a very VBAC supportive culture. Um, you know, we, we have, there's like one group that mainly does VBACs in Tampa. And while it's changing and it's getting better, I was just a little worried at first um, that I, I wasn't sure that I'd have the support here. So uh, I started doing some local research and kind of, you know, reaching out to different providers. I found a group that I really liked and I started planning this third birth. Um, this time with the education, with the experience that I had with, you know, my first two births that I had just gone through, I felt like I was ready for a natural birth. So I started to prepare myself to have, you know, an unmedicated birth. I studied hypnobabies throughout my pregnancy. Although I have to admit, I wasn't, I wasn't very, um, I wasn't very strict with it. Um, and I, you know, I had a hard time staying awake when I listened to the tracks at night. So I wasn't quite the best hypnobaby student, but I did find it super relaxing. Mm -hmm. And so as my pregnancy kind of progressed, I was, you know, teaching a lot of classes virtually for women and really kind of, I had a lot of VBAC, you know, preparing moms in my group that we were kind of on the same track together, keeping each other, you know, um, keeping our spirits high and helping each other with the, with the mindset work, because, you know, VBAC, it's like when you're planning your VBAC, it's this totally different mindset, I feel like as your birth gets closer, you start to kind of have those feelings of doubt and you have those feelings of uncertainty. And even though I'd done this before, I just, you know, you, you still kind of have those feelings arise. So towards the end of my pregnancy, I had a lot of pain in my legs and it was kind of nerve pain where my baby was laying on nerves. So again, I grow some pretty healthy babies. Um, and so I was really struggling from probably week 38 on, 
I was in Florida, I'm in Florida and it was summertime and really the heat was so hard on me and having two other children at home, uh, little ones, uh, it was pretty challenging. So when I went to my 41 week appointment, (laughs) um, the doctor suggested that I go ahead and have an elective induction. Um, and I'll admit it was, it's pretty tempting, you know, when you're 41 weeks pregnant and you're just so mentally and physically exhausted and so much pain. Um, I turned it down. Um, you know, I kind of weighed the risks and I kind of knew the risks and knew the benefits. My baby was healthy. Uh, we, we confirmed it on ultrasound that everything was going well. Nicole, Chip- mm-hmm. why was he suggesting a, uh, an induction? So the doctor walked in the room and she said, hi, Nicole, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And and this was the first time I met her, by the way. So she walks in. I had met a group of the other people in the midwives group, but this is the first time I met this particular doctor. And she said, so I understand you're 41 weeks today. And I said, yes, I am. And she said, and you are 31, sorry, 35 years of age. And I said, yes, I am. And she said, so, okay, I'm going to go ahead and suggest an induction today uh, because, you know, the risk of stillborn birth increases after 41 weeks. And because you are over 35, uh, which I had just turned 35, um, so geriatric mom's club. Um, <laughs> Advanced maternal age. Dun, dun, dun. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, I'm so old, right? I'm 35. Come on. And she says, and your success rate uh, declines the further you go past 41 weeks in terms of uh, your VBAC success. So I said, I understand, I understand, I understand, thank you. Um, But, you know, I still would like to decline. And mind you, this was a Friday morning before holiday weekend. So I kind of felt like, you know, I feel like a couple days before a holiday, there's a big push for inductions in the medical world. And I really, um, I really just didn't feel like that was in line with what I wanted for my birth, you know? Sure. And so I, I turned her down, you know, politely turned her down. And I think they were a little annoyed with me, um, but this was my choice. My husband was there and he respected my decision. Um, we did go ahead and confirm on ultrasound that day that the baby was doing well. And, you know, that was part of it. I said, well, I want to see her fluid. I want to see how she's doing, make sure she's moving. And she was doing great. So once I knew she was fine, I just really didn't feel a rush to, to do anything, you know, um, we, they wanted to give me her estimated size. So when the ultrasound tech was measuring, you know, I'm 41 weeks and she's kind of moving around and whatever. And she says, wow, she is really a big one. And I cut her off right there and said, you know what? I really just don't want to know. I don't want to know what you think she weighs. And she looked so confused. Um, and even her assistant said, I, I just out of curiosity, why don't you want to know the estimate, the size estimate? And I said, well, you know, the, it's not going to change anything for me. If anything, it's just going to mess with my head. Um, I know I grow healthy size babies and I know I can push another one out. I did it before. Um, you know, my last vaginal, my only other vaginal birth was nine pounds, four ounces. So I said, I really just don't, I really don't need to know, you know, it's, it's not going to help me. And those estimates, you know, they can be off. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and even if they're off. There's so many things that come into play that you don't know if a baby, you know, that's not what, the size itself is not what keeps the baby from coming out. And I know it it 
can the thought of it can really be scary but i've thought i've seen five pounders and six pounders that have a harder time coming out than 10 pounders right it's more about position and your both babies and yours and all sorts of other factors right and i mean i just felt like you know those numbers aren't going to help me to know so i turned that down um they offered to sweep my membranes i said no thanks um you know she wanted to do a cervical check i turned that down as well uh, because I, again, more of the numbers that I really wasn't too worried about dilation and effacement. Um, I felt like if I wasn't, you know, it can be discouraging unnecessarily. And I really was working on this mindset, you know, doing this mindset work. So I didn't want to know how dilated or effaced I was. So we left their office. It was about 1130. Um, my husband and I are heading home and I was kind of I was kind of explaining to him why I turned everything down. He said, I understand. I understand all that. I support your decision. So it was Friday before Labor Day weekend. And I'm and looking at the- I can hear you jumping into the story. And I want to <laughs> I want to hold you up for a second because I want to back up to um, how you prepare differently. And I can hear that you prepared super and had all this, you know, obviously all this great information and um, ready to make informed choices and and informed consent and refusal night and right do your your take that right of being able to do both things um, for this third one but what had you done originally for your first baby like during your first pregnancy how had you prepared for that and what did you do um, I know for the second one, you started doing a lot of research on VBAC, but where was your mindset for that first baby? It was um, not in a great place. <laughs> I did not do a lot of preparing for the birth. I was, you know, I knew I knew nothing about birth back then. And I was so frightened, um, you know, because what I knew about birth was that it was scary, it was painful, it was medical issue. Um, and I've really put all of, you know, my trust for ever, how everything would unfold in my birth in my doctor instead of kind of taking charge and making my own decisions. So my first pregnancy, I really didn't prepare for, for birth very well. Um, and so my second pregnancy, like you said, yes, I, I definitely dug into research and I, I listened to your podcast as much as possible and every positive evac story I could get my hands on um, and birth stories in general, just any positive birth story I could, I could possibly find. And I really surrounded myself with as much positivity as possible. Um, and I even had a hard time talking about my plans to be back to certain people. So I found that I, I had to kind of just not mention it to a lot of people that really just weren't informed on the, you know, really informed on the research surrounding VBACs. What, so, was, what were some of your favorite resources for VBAC information? Sure. I love VBAC Facts uh, website. I think it's Jen Kimmel. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I have an episode with her. I'll, I'll link it on the show notes. Yes. I loved her website. And um, and it was there was also kind of a VBAC education guide that I want to say Lamaz participates in. Um, I, I may be incorrect, but I think it's Lamaz participates. So they have an education um, kind of slideshow that provided some good quality information. And then, yeah, Jen Kimmel and the birth hour. I really enjoyed listening to their VBAC stories um, and definitely, definitely your podcast. Awesome. So let's um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, let's jump into this third birth story. 
We'll be right back. I love it when I get holiday photo cards from my past doula clients with pictures of the whole family because immediately I'm transported back to their births and I remember how badass they were and how crazy that I got to be a part of that pivotal moment in their lives and that amount of transformation and I get to relive all that from a photo card. So this year I have decided to do that myself to create my own photo cards. My phone is filled with photos of my family that never see daylight except for the random social media posts. Yours probably do too. But I wanted to give it a try and see just how easy it was to make up some custom photo cards with Vistaprint. And frankly, it was a lot easier than I thought. I think deciding what images to use was probably the most difficult part. After you decide on your images, the process goes like this. Simply pick a shape like square rounded corners, folded or flat, and then you choose one of Vistaprint's many gorgeous designs. If you're doing a custom photo card, then you upload your images, which you can do right from your phone. Once done with that, then you decide how many you need and you place your order and that's it. You're done. Give it a try this year. With the holidays fast approaching, you do want to get on that very soon so that you can order them with plenty of time. You still have time. Go do it now. Take advantage of this great offer from Vistaprint today and get it off your holiday to-do list. All custom cards and calendars are 50% off right now and you can also save on mugs, canvases, and other photo gifts. It is super easy. Vistaprint has a 100% satisfaction guarantee or they'll make it right by either reprinting your order or giving you a refund, so there's nothing to risk. They have hundreds of card designs, including some timeless classics and the option of using foil finish. So get merry, get jolly, get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars, plus save on other photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter the promo code BIRTHFULHOLIDAY. That's vistaprint.com promo code birthful holiday the offer is valid until january 31st 2019 and we're back talking with nicole joy about her birth stories and so you had a first birth where you weren't didn't prepare in terms of the information didn't absorb so much and had a cesarean birth and then read tons and informed yourself and had a a successful VBAC for your second and then now the third one you're back in Tampa and you are you know went to your doctor and definitely taking control of your experience and making sure you're protecting your mindset so that you're not getting into this that scared or into into the fear mindset but staying in your you know positive I can do it and I can push out big babies mindset because your second one was over nine pounds right so then it was Friday I think you said what happened right so Friday um we had that appointment and when we left the appointment on the way home it was a holiday weekend and it was about eleven thirty in the morning and I remember looking at the interstate traffic headed back towards my doctor's office. And I thought, wow, that is a lot of traffic. So if something happened today, I would not want to be sitting in the car in labor in that traffic, you know? So we got home and I had some lunch and within just a couple minutes. So by 1230, I stood up and my water broke. Um, and my daughter was home. So my two-year-old was home. Our nanny was here and they were swimming in the pool, um, kind of doing a little swim lesson. And my husband and I were in the living room and I'm like, okay, so my water broke. 
I let the doula know and I told him to go ahead and kind of get himself together and I was going to go ahead and get myself together. And I figured that if this labor was anything like my first two, so even though I had that cesarean with my first, I did go into labor before my scheduled C-section and my labor with both of my first two within 30 minutes, I started having very consistent and very strong contractions. So I figured, okay, if this one's anything like the other two, I need to get my act together quickly. Um, so I did. And I, with it, sure enough, uh, within 30 minutes, my contraction started and I don't have much of an early labor. I feel like I jump straight from my water breaking every time to 30 minutes later, I'm pretty much in active labor. I'm having consistent contractions every two to three minutes apart. Um, so I started laboring. Well, first I had, I told my husband in advance that there were certain things he needed to do before my doula got here. So there were kind of a short checklist of things. He's not, you know, he's not quite the doula type, but I kind of prepped him and let him know that until she gets here, these are things that I'm going to need help with. I'm going to need you to hide, you know, bring me water. I need to stay hydrated. I'm going to need you to make sure I'm going to the bathroom every hour. Um, you know, here's all my like massage tools so that you can try these different techniques with me while I'm going through contractions. So I, he kind of got into super relaxation mode. And when I say super relaxation mode, I mean, he brought his lunch, which was chicken wings into our room and was sitting down watching Ozark on the iPad while I'm like going through contractions. So, <laughs> so he's not, he wasn't keeping his checklist. Well, he said, I thought you wanted me to relax. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So you're very relaxed, but now I need your help. So go put the, put the food away and come in here and give me a hand. So I started out on the birth ball and I was kind of leaned over the side of the bed with a stack of pillows. So I was kind of upright and, you know, rocking back and forth on the ball. So I was managing contractions for a little while that way. And I felt okay. And then I would kind of crawl across the room on all fours and rock and sway and kind of listen to my body. Um, I have a chase lounge in my room. So I did a kind of modified, um, all fours position on the chase for a little while and was rocking that way. And then I crawl back to the ball. So I just kept kind of moving around the room a little bit. Um, I was asking him to like, bring me a hair tie and then bring me a new hair tie. that doesn't smell like chicken wings, please. Um, which didn't quite come out so nicely when in the moment, <laughs> um, there were some curse words involved, I think. Um, well, you, you were know, in super active labor as well. It was very, yes, it definitely picked up pretty quickly. And so then I felt like, okay, actually I forgot one part. So right after my water broke, I went to the bathroom. So I knew as soon as I went to the bathroom, like, yep, this is it. So after I had been laboring for a few minutes or for a little while, actually in my room, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom again. So I went into the bathroom, sitting on the toilet. And you know, when you're sitting in that upright position and gravity kind of takes hold, my labor intensity picked up big time. So I'm asking my husband, like, okay, how far is the doula? Because I'm not in any position to be making phone calls and texting. I had no idea where my phone was. Um, you know, I was really, the hormones were really kicking in and I was really like in labor land. So in between contractions, I was trying to figure out how far she was. And I remember him saying, she's, she's not, you know, she's going to be a while. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I think I cried for a second. 
So I think he told me like 40 minutes and I just thought, oh no, like I just, I felt like I didn't know if I can handle it for another 40 minutes by myself. I mean, meanwhile, he's trying to call the midwives who he couldn't reach. Um, they were pretty busy, so he never did reach them. Um, and so I thought, okay, things are really intense on the toilet right now. And he's sitting outside of the bathroom. So I wanted a little bit of privacy, you know, that feeling when you're in labor, like you just want you know, some privacy and especially being on the toilet. I wanted the door closed. I wanted to be alone in there. He's sitting outside with the phone, timing contractions on the phone. So I'm yelling through the door, start. And then I would just moan through a contraction and then I would yell, stop, you know, and moaning slash yelling slash whatever sound was coming out of my mouth. So when he told me that she was going to be a while, I thought, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get in the bathtub because my second birth, when I wanted to labor at home for a while, sitting in the tub was super relaxing. And I felt like it really toned things down for a long time for me. So in between contractions, I managed to run some bath water. And I thought, all right, I'm going to ride it out in the tub until she gets here. So when I got in the bath, my contractions intensity actually picked up like again. And I was feeling these waves, you know, these literally, but also, you know, these contraction waves were just really, really picking up and getting so incredibly intense. And I'm like, I can't handle this in the bathtub. I need to get out of the water. Like it just, it made things too intense. And I had to go to the bathroom again. So I got out of the tub and managed to make my way. Now I'm naked, obviously. And I managed to make my way over to the toilet. My husband's trying to dress me. This is when he starts trying to get me dressed to get me in the car. So I think he could tell how intense things were getting. And so he's like, here, I brought you some pants. Let's put these on. I'm like, no, I'm not wearing clothes. Get away from me. Like, <laughs> you're not dressing me right now. So he's like, no, we really need to go. We need to go ahead and go now. Um, your your doula is going to meet us at the hospital. And I'm like, no, she's not going to meet us at the hospital. She's coming here. And I'm not putting those pants on. And I was adamant. So, and I said, plus I have to go to the bathroom, like move out of the way. Let me go to the bathroom. And this is all with a very short time in between my contractions. Cause one would, when I would get another one, it was like, they were back to back to back and I didn't get much of a break at all. So I sat back on the toilet, shut the door. I'm going to the bathroom again. And Holy wow. The gravity again, just totally picked up and I could feel her like dropping and I could feel her moving down and descending and I could feel how intense it felt again, like it was picking up. Things were really hard to manage my, con you know, contractions. And I felt like, okay, um, you know, the, like the adrenaline hormone. And I thought, oh, I, I can't do this. You know, for a second, I thought I just can't do this right now. And I, and I recognized in myself that, okay, I think this is transition. You know, mm -hmm. because I, I could feel it and I felt, and I'm like, oh, you know, this feels like she's about to fall out. And I put my hand down and I could feel her squishy little head right there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God. And by now my husband had the door open because he could hear my voice. I mean, I was like roaring in contraction, you know, through contractions. So he insisted on the door being open. He's like, sit back so I can see. And I, when I felt her head, I kind of felt like, oh no, I don't want to show him because he's going to freak is what I thought. And I don't want to scare him. <laughs> so, <and laughs> Meanwhile, you're having a baby by yourself. 
I know. And it sounds ridiculous looking back, you know, because obviously he needs to know. But in the moment, I think I just felt like I'm, I've got this and I just don't want to scare him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though he is, my husband is super calm and cool and collected. Like he doesn't get worked up. He's very, you know, he's just a very even tempered, even person. So in my very rational labor land mind, I thought, okay, he can't, I can't show him this. And he's like, Nicole, sit back. You need to sit back so I can see what's going on. I can't see anything. And he's on the phone. So I think he was on the phone with the doula. I'm not sure. And finally I did sit back and he saw her head and I'm like, okay, now he knows. So I said, just help me get on the floor. I need to get on the floor. So he's, you know, cause you, really can't walk at that point. There's a baby's head sticking out of you. (laughs) So, you know, he's like starting to crown and I didn't want to be on the toilet. I did not want to give birth in a squatting position because I was afraid of tearing. So I thought I need, I want to be on the floor. It's like my body just feels like it needs a little bit of rest and I wanted to be in a sideline position. So I'm like, just help me get to the floor. So he kind of holds my arm and helps me get into our bedroom. And I had a yoga mat on our bedroom floor because I mean, all day, every day, all I was doing was pelvic tilting, pelvic openers, you know, I'm doing all the things stretching constantly. So I'm like, get me on the mat. I just want to lay on the mat. So he lays me down and I'm on my side and I said, okay, I need pillows, bring me pillows. So he's propping my upper body up a little bit with pillows so that I'm a little bit inclined and I'm trying to hold my own leg up, you know, my top leg. So I'm like, hold my leg up. So he's holding my leg and I'm like, it's too high. It hurts. Hold it down a little. So he pulls it down. I'm like it's too low. Lift it back up a little. And I'm like, no, just go get my peanut ball. So of course I have a peanut ball in my closet. Of course. <laughs> right. So, you know, who doesn't have a peanut yoga ball in their closet? So I'm like, just go get my peanut ball. And then he did. And it was like the perfect height, of course. So I'm like, okay. And then I felt like a little bit of break in between contractions. And I could feel her head crowning. It was very, you know, I could feel the the discomfort. I could feel the pain. And I was definitely, you know, vocalizing through all of it. Um, oh, and before I got off the toilet, he's still trying to dress me. Okay. So he's like, he even sent the nanny in with clothes and she comes in the bathroom. I'm naked sitting on the toilet and she's got pants (laughs) in her hand. And she's like, here you go, honey, we're going to get you dressed to go to the hospital. And I, I yelled something really crazy and I yelled at him too. And I'm like, I'm not getting dressed. I'm not going anywhere. You know, and so he's like back and forth on the phone. And I had remembered like grabbing his arm and digging my nails into him and just pulling him down to my level. And I remember very aggressively saying like, stop walking away to make phone calls, get off the phone, just sit here and hold my hand and talk to me. (laughs) And I just needed, you know, to look at him and I needed that support. And I just, I don't think he realized how close I was at that point. So he got off the phone and he sat down with me. So then fast forward. So we're back in the bedroom and I'm on the, on the yoga mat and, you know, I'm very loud. And he had, he asked our nanny to call 911. You know, once he saw the head, he had yelled at her like, okay, go ahead and make the call because I am not medically trained. We don't have anybody here. The doula is even our doula is not an unassisted doula and she's not even here. So I didn't realize that he called them. 
so I'm just continuing to kind of, I'm in labor land, you know, and I felt kind of, kind of tipsy, you know, from all the hormones. So I was really in my zone and, um, I could feel her head coming, kind of doing the, like the turtle, you know, like pushing out a little, coming back in. Yeah. I call it, I call it the cha-cha, two steps forward, one step, the baby (laughs) cha-cha. That's awesome. And yeah, I felt her kind of doing that. And I thought, okay, you know, that hurts. Like, you know what, but I know she needs to do that so that she can stretch me. So I don't tear. So I'm all for it. And then I feel her head kind of come out and I knew I could feel that relief. Like, okay, I just birthed her head. And within maybe a couple of minutes, I felt like I had a little bit of a break. And then I felt this really calm kind of soothing arm, like hand touch my back. And I was like, okay, that doesn't feel like my husband, uh, but it's my doula. So my doula arrived. And I felt her very calm presence and she's like, hi, Nicole, it's me. I'm here. You know, you're doing great. And she's just starting with really encouraging. And I felt very calm. And I was like, okay, you know, and she's not an unassisted doula, but it felt reassuring to have somebody else present that, you know, knows a little bit more than maybe my husband. So she's there. Things are going well. And I could feel, I felt for a little while, you know, kind of fears were running through my head for a few minutes, like, oh my gosh, you know, uterine rupture is a big concern when you're V-backing. I mean, a lot of women are really afraid of it. And for a second, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what if my uterus ruptures? And I just got out of my own head. And I was like, you know, there is nothing you can do about that right now, Nicole. (laughs) Like worrying about that is not going to stop what's happening. So there's nothing you can do, but kind of go with it. Um, Either that, or I think I knew that I would end up laboring in the back of the Escalade or possibly giving birth in the back by myself if my doula wasn't with us. And I really, really did not want to be in the car. Like I really could, they couldn't tell me anything to get me in the car. Well, and that's a super rational thought, considering that when you were like deep in labor land and had a baby's head in between your legs already like out right yeah that's an incredible calming and and centering thought i'm i'm in awe of that thought for sure um and i i hate to do this because you're right in the middle of it but between the head being born and the body being born we're gonna take a break we'll be right back Oh, Green Chef, you are helping my sanity right now. So my calendar and to-do lists are exploding and taking the time to shop, prep, and meal plan is frankly kind of out of the question. But I know that having good food is super important for my self-care, so that's why I do a happy dance every, and I do, I do a happy dance every time I come home to find a Green Chef box delivered to my door filled with a wide variety of organic ingredients, pre-measured, perfectly portioned and mostly prepped so we can easily whip up quick, delicious, and imaginative recipes. For example, 
We recently made a Thai veggie and mango stir-fry over long grain rice paired with an apple cabbage slaw with mint and nuts that was, frankly, to die for. Here, let me make your mouth drool with the description of this Thai-inspired dish. Red and green bell peppers are stir-fried with shiitake mushrooms and ginger. Mangoes, shredded coconut, and a red curry peanut sauce are added to the pan before it's served over a bed of long grain rice, along with a side of green apple and purple cabbage slaw with peanuts and fresh mint. Oh, it was so good. And you know what made it better? That I didn't have to menu plan, grocery shop, and part of the meal was already prepped for me, including those pre-made sauces, dressing, and spices, which mean more flavor in less time. That is a super win-win-win. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company with many different meal plan options that include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. That makes it very simple to follow your dietary preferences while enjoying new recipe options with step-by-step instructions. We always get the vegan plan, because we're vegan, but you can easily switch up your meal plan as it strikes your fancy, and upcoming menus are posted on the website several weeks in advance so you can see what's coming. Next week, for example, we've got some portobello fajitas, curried seitan noodle bowl, and apricot glazed beets and rice on the way. I cannot wait. Let Green Chef solve your dinner problems. And to make this deliciousness even more enticing for birthful listeners, you can get $50 off your first box of Green Chef when you go to greenchef.us slash birthful. Note that that was not .com, but rather .us. So greenchef.us slash birthful for $50 off your first box of Green Chef. Okay, we're back. Jump right in. Okay, so now my little one just woke up and looked at us. Um, So yeah, that thought kind of was crossing through my head and just worrying about being alone here with nobody here. It was kind of scary to me, but at the same time, I kind of felt, I felt so comfortable and I felt so safe and I felt relaxed And I know because I teach women this stuff all the time. So I'm thinking in my head, you know, getting in the car, getting clothes on, getting in the car and driving in that traffic right now, it does not sound relaxing to me. And I was worried that that, you know, my body would like stop or tighten up or, you know, go into panic mode. So I thought I'm, I'm not going anywhere unless I have support in the back of the car. And so I wanted to sit here and wait on the doula, um, but, you know, the whole time I was kind of worried and I thought, man, I'm going to freak my husband out, but I just can't, I can't pull myself to get in the car or get clothes on. So <clears throat> I, I looked up and I saw probably six EMTs rush in my bedroom and I, I didn't realize they were coming. I know my husband and the doula later, they told me they were talking about it, but I was just in my own world. So I didn't hear anything. I just looked up and I thought, oh gosh, who are all these people? And it instantly just felt very medicalized, you know, and they're trying to rush over to me. And later I, I found out that my husband told them, okay, leave her alone, give her some space. She's doing great. She's almost birthing the body. You know, he kind of took charge of the room. I didn't hear that in the moment. I just saw them walk in the room, but they did give me some space. One of them did try to come over and I felt him put his hands you know, down there to touch the baby's head. And I yelled at him and I, I yelled, get your hands off my vagina. <laughs> because I knew at that point 
you know, we had come this far, me and the baby, that there was no need for him to pull or to try to help her out. I knew that she knew what to do to get out of me. And I knew my body was taking a little break before the next big contraction. So he's like, okay, okay, ma'am. Okay. You know, and I know he was trying to be helpful. Um, and with his training and his background, I think he felt like that was what he was supposed to do. Um, but I, I wasn't having it. So, well, you know, and, and you know that even in the hospital and no matter what the provider is, they tend to, once the head is out, you know, jump in and, and grab anyway. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I just didn't want him touching her right. or me, you know, and I didn't want to tear. So I didn't want his fingers messing around, pulling on my v- vaginal skin. Like, you know, my, my, um, my skin, I didn't want him messing with anything. I wanted completely hands off. Don't touch it. I did have my doula. She, I, I wanted a um, counter pressure of, you know, warm, damp cloth up against my perineum that I wanted. So I remembered her yelling for the nanny to grab towels and she did. So she had a, she had a warm towel, like pressed up again. I don't even think they had time to warm it. I think it was just a towel, but she had it pressed as counter pressure on my perineum and that felt incredible. So that felt really good against, you know, this really um, painful feeling of the baby's head crowning. Mm -hmm. Um, but when the guy came over the EMT and was trying to be helpful, um, you know, I told him no thanks basically, and get your hands off my vagina. And he's like, Oh, okay. Sorry, ma'am. Sorry. And so then they said something. And I just remember the doula and my husband saying, okay, honey, you have to, you have to birth her. You have to push her body out with this next contraction. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, and mentally I was trying to get my head in the right space. Cause in that moment I felt like, I don't want to do this. Like it hurt that head really hurt. And the body's going to really freaking hurt. Um, but I also kind of knew that this just had to happen. You know, she's coming out. So feeling freaking out right then isn't going to help. And she's going to come out. And I also felt like this is it. And then I'm done. It's over, you know? So this is one last big push and I'm done. So the next contraction started and my doula was kind of telling me, reminding me, cause I was very vocal. I felt, you know, like I was roaring and she's like, just, you know, try to breathe. Like you're blowing out candles on a birthday cake, which was really helpful. It was a very helpful visual for me in the moment. So I tried to really focus on breathing her out instead of pushing And this was the first time I'd ever felt the urge to push. And it was like my body just took over and the baby just completely took over and pushed herself out. You know, I I really didn't do much. I was breathing and she was coming out regardless with that contraction. Mm. So she did and her little body or big body, I guess, came right out with that, you know, with that last contraction. And I remember just feeling like this huge relief like it really was painful, but it was also just an incredible relief to have her out. So they sat me up, you know, the EMTs were kind of helping me sit up a little bit so I could hold her. And I remember hearing my husband say, give her to her mother. Cause I kept trying to reach for her and I was kind of disoriented, you know, like high, like the birth high. And I was like reaching for her and kind of feeling, you know, shaky and recovery. And, you know, my legs had been shaking really bad while I was trying to push her out. Well, you know, during the urge to push, my legs were really shaking. So I, I still felt kind of shaky and like, wow, you know, and I remembered him saying that, you know, give her to her mother. So they did, they handed me the baby. And I, I remember seeing one of the EMTs reaching down with a pair of scissors Um, and I yelled at him and told him, don't cut the cord. 
I'm waiting for it to finish pulsing. And he looked so confused. Like, what is she talking about? And I, <laughs> well, and that's, you know, that's not part of their training, right? Yeah. Exactly. Even, you know, a lot of providers in a hospital will quickly go to clamp or cut the cord, right? Well, so, and I do, yeah, and I do find that they're starting to wait a little bit more, but still, there's a great campaign, and I'll put it on the show notes, called Wait for White, and mm. that is the best, um, I think, mantra and, rich, and, that I, and visualization that I've found, because delayed cord clamping can mean different things to different people, like 30 seconds is delayed cord clamping if you're used to clamping at five seconds, but... Mm some babies because the blood does go back and forth between baby and placenta and it finds it equalizes according to that baby's needs and if you just mm -hmm. wait for three minutes or a minute and clamp it it might not have then maybe you have too much blood so mm -hmm. wait for white meaning wait for the cord to turn white and when you see that then it stops pulsating so it's a great you can actually tell Oh, yeah, that's that's really um, I like that. I haven't heard of the wait for white, hmm. you know, and once we confirmed, you know, the doula is like, OK, you know, now it's done. So we went ahead and let him clamp it. Um, and I and I started to feel I was excited and on this hardcore birth high, um, but I started to feel kind of shaky and they were concerned with my blood pressure. They wanted me to go into the hospital anyways, just to be checked out. And I was OK with that. So they put me on the stretcher. Uh, which just felt so strange, you know, leaving my bedroom in a stretcher. Um, and my, I remember my nanny kind of saying, oh my gosh, you did it. And I was so excited mm. um, when I got in the ambulance. And I, I was kind of screaming and hollering like the whole way out the door. I'm like, I just did this. I just did this. Look what I did. I just did that. Um, and I was just, you know, super, super, super excited. And when I got in the hot, in the ambulance, I felt kind of shaky um, and they were monitoring my blood pressure, which dropped pretty substantially. Uh, so they were concerned that I was hemorrhaging and wanted to start me on some fluids. Um, and I was okay with that once, you know, I, I saw my blood pressure and I was kind of, my face was looking a little green and looking back at the photos that they took, you know, that my doula took in the ambulance. I'm like, oh yeah, my face definitely was kind of green. Um, you know, just some blood loss. And so we, we made our way to the hospital pretty quickly because, you know, ambulance had their sirens on. I did deliver my placenta in the ambulance, which was pretty uncomfortable. This was by far, I have very large placentas. I've done, I've encapsulated all three of them. And this was my biggest one yet. Um, so it, it really, that was, that was pretty uncomfortable too. And then I remember when I was starting to have the contractions to push it out and one of the ambulance uh, gentlemen was reaching down there to pull on it. And I had to yell at him again. I'm like, don't touch it. Do not touch my cord or my placenta. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just going to gently guide it. And I'm like, no, you're not. Take your hands off of it. You know, because I knew that I had a certain amount of time, a window before it becomes something that's of concern. Right. So right. I. Right. And pulling it is not going to help. Right. Right. And I think he, you know, again, I feel like he was trying to be helpful and he's not really trained the way that I am or, you know, and the way my midwife, the kind of midwifery care that I want. And, you know, I still had these really, you know, I had a birth plan, even though it didn't go to plan, there were things that I just really wanted to have happen. Um, so I had him take his hands off again and I birthed the placenta. 
Um, I did get on some fluids and made my way to the hospital where when we got there, my birth photographer was waiting for us there. So she actually did go straight to the hospital to meet me there. So she got some photos of me arriving at the hospital and they took me to the labor and delivery room to get the, you know, the hemorrhaging under control. So I had some Pitocin um, and basically the, you know, the midwife said, look, you know, there's some hemorrhaging and I don't know what's causing it. So I need to manually go in and kind of figure out what's going on. And she said, you know, I don't know if there's internal tearing, I need to check. And I kind of, I kind of panicked for a minute and kind of cried a little and felt like, oh gosh, I just, after all of that, the last thing I really want is either a surgery or, you know, internal tearing. And so I thought, okay, well, no choice again, but to just do this. But luckily there was just some clotting and, you know, she was able to manually kind of get the clots out. And it felt like, again, when all the clots came out, I felt this just huge rush, you know, all of that blood leaving your body so quickly, really, you know, I, you can feel it. So I, you know, I felt better after that, just awfully shaky for about 24 hours and they were monitoring my blood pressure, but I was fine. And the baby was doing great. She was thriving. And so she was eight pounds, 15 ounces. There was no internal tearing. There was no tearing at all, actually not a single tear, which was, I was so proud of. And I was so excited about those birthday candles, man, just gently blowing out. Yep. Yes. And, you know, I, I, I really did all the things that, see, I, I was teaching classes throughout the pregnancy based on what I thought I needed at the moment. And so I wrote a class and I was teaching a class on vaginal tearing and basically like, you can't always prevent tearing, you know, you know that, but I felt like there's things you can do that you can try to minimize. Right. Mm-hmm. So things I wanted was being on my side and, you know, I was able to get that and, you know, the counter pressure and I was able to get that. And, you know, some of the things that I really wanted and I, and I did a lot of visualization, um, and mindset work on really having a certain birth experience and also not tearing. And I was just so proud of myself. Um, and I, you know, I was on a birth high. I feel, I still feel like I'm on a birth high, you know, and it's 11 weeks later. Yeah, no, I mean, I am in awe of that story. The whole time you're telling it, I'm like, I'm almost in there in the room with you. I'm like, <laughs> I want to hold that leg up. <laughs> oh. So now that it's been 11 weeks out, what are, like, how did this birth transform you? Like, what are some things that, is there anything you would have done differently? Or what are some things that made it super significant? I mean, it has changed everything, you know, again, I feel like every time I have a birth, everything changes, you know, for the better. So even my first birth, it was like everything changed. And then my second birth and my third. And so with this one, I felt like for somebody who was so incredibly afraid of birth, you know, five, six years ago, before I had my first, I was so frightened of labor and I never thought for one minute that I would be the kind of person that would go natural. Never. I thought those people were like unicorns. And, you know, so after I did it, I felt like, wow, you know, I am, I now know my purpose on this planet, you know, like I know that I have to, I have to kind of share this story because I was the last person who would have done something like this. And then I did it. I planned it. I did it. And it was incredible. 
And it's just so empowering. And I felt like, you know, after doing that, I felt like I could do anything. And it felt so remarkable to me. And the more I've been really processing it, um, it's funny because it's like the longer I think about it, the more I realize that it really, it really was just so incredibly natural and, and not remarkable. You know, it was just, it was the most normal thing. It just feels so crazy and so remarkable because of what we usually see on TV and what we know in the media about birth. So I felt like, you know, if you go back, you know, years and years and years when they first started doing C-sections, they probably felt really remarkable, you know, and now it's almost like it's become so common um, necessary oftentimes, but also sometimes not. And so common that it doesn't feel that remarkable anymore. And now it feels like this natural undisturbed birth is more, is crazier. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, I do. And the thing is, is when they started doing cesareans, they were still quite dangerous. And every year that passes, the procedure itself, thanks to advances in anesthesia and thanks to advances in all kinds of medical situations and you know monitoring all this it does get less risky and i think as our fear of non-medicated birth grows and vaginal birth grows then it's kind of they've started to for a lot of people be almost on the same plane especially i mean culture is so so important if you go to a lot of places in latin america cesarean people prefer cesarean births over vaginal births because they feel less scared of those and you have rates of you know anywhere between 60 and 70 80 percent cesarean rates even higher so there it's completely flipped it's like what you're saying but more to the extreme where really a vaginal birth is that unicorn it's it is so super rare but if you step back and think of all the cultural unlearning we have to do to really think and support and embrace this physiological process i mean when i i i I teach workshops on this. And one of the things I always say is like, can we just take a moment and step back and consider the fact that we've all agreed that it's totally fine to have a stranger put their hands up in your vagina to tell you how it, how you're doing with a process that's happening inside your body. Mm-hmm. When you put it like that, it's like, that is bananas crazy. Mm. And, yet we're, and yet we're like, yeah, go ahead and check. <laughs> no problem. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I can hear all the unlearning that you did over yeah. these five, six years, and it's fantastic. It is. It's so. It's so empowering. And it, the more moms that I talk to, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure you encounter this too. It's like women are so afraid of birth, and you know, it's not like I'm not. It's not like I'm fearless. I've never felt fearless, and. I just approach my fear very differently. And I try to, you know, I have kind of what works for me, Um, you know, and I, and I think what works for me is, you know, I like educating myself. I like understanding what's going on. That's been really empowering, but then I just don't stay in that fear place for very long. I allow the thoughts in my head. I process them and I move on and I have, you know, I really try to take control over the mental process and like, you know, not stay in that place And then the other thing about, you know, the three different, very different births is I had the easiest recovery of all three births 
you know, I mean, it was so much easier when my husband and I were in the hospital um, the next day and he's like, how are you feeling? You know, and you know, other than the shakiness from the blood loss, I said, I feel amazing. Like my vagina feels perfectly fine. I don't need ice packs. I don't need anything. It doesn't hurt at all. In fact, my nipples hurt more than my vagina, you know, from breastfeeding. Mm. And he was shocked. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, there is something huge to be say said about figuring out how to deal, how to consider what's happening in a way that is not fearful. And this isn't to say, I want to make sure everybody knows that this isn't to say that I'm like, this is the only way you should have a baby. Not at all. I think cesarean births can be great. I think epidurals can be great. I think whatever you choose that is the right way for you to birth is what's great. As long as you are in a in a mindset of like pleasure and joy and let's go <laughs> because it's labor, it's not vacation, but not of one where it's just all fear and anxiety because that's going to make it all worse. Mm. Um, and in general, culturally, we're not there is already a lot of fear, unfortunately, around the process. So just hearing how you were getting, the, you know, how your doctor came in and basically played the dead baby card saying, mm. well, your risk of stillbirth goes up, which is a really harsh thing to say. Yeah. Because if you look at the statistics of what that risk is, like, tell me the numbers. And you'll see that it's from very, 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 very rare to very, very, very rare. Like, right. you know, so let's let's not just bring it into fear and try to quirk you into doing a specific thing or saying, you know, this is a very big baby or this is, let's do a membrane sweep. Let's do something. We can't just let you not do something. <laughs> it's right. hard. The fact that you were all, you had the wherewithal to take a step back and make the choice that was right for you. And if you were to said, yes, sweep my membranes, because I have people that come into the show and tell me that too. That's great. As long as it comes from you, your calm state and not from fear. I think, I think that's the problem where we make choices from fear. Right. Yeah, it's true. And I also kind of felt like you know, I, I'm really big on language and what words I use when I'm describing things, you know, especially when it was surrounding my pregnancy and my birth. And I felt like I wanted to have a natural birth, but I also kind of took control and felt like, you know what, I want to have this natural birth. I'm planning a natural birth. But in the moment when the time comes, if I want an epidural, I'm going to get an epidural. And I'm not going to say I needed one because I feel like there's something in taking control of that decision that is empowering. And, you know, I was prepared that, okay, I'm planning this, but in the moment, if I want one, I'm going to get one. Um, and there was a moment during the labor that I thought, man, I would love an epidural right now. Um, but uh, you know, I'm here in my room. It's not going to happen because this is happening. I don't have time. Um, there's no choice anyways. Um, you know, and I, and I felt like, you know, in talking to other moms too, it's like when you're, when you're preparing and planning, for your VBAC, it's like, you know, that 
repeat cesarean thought just constantly gets in your head about that, that might happen. You know, I might have another cesarean and that might just be part of my story and part of my experience. And I had to do a lot of mental work around being prepared for that too. You know, it's like, I didn't stay in that place too long, but I knew it could happen. I knew it was a possibility and I tried to be as prepared as possible for whatever, you know, whatever would come up. Um, you know, and so that, that was kind of a big thing for me too, mentally. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's huge. And I think shifting the conversation from like birth plans as laundry lists of things that we want to happen at the end of the day, what we're trying to do with those lists is just exert some sort of control, but within a process that's so uncertain, it's hard to do. And I like, you know, your story just is testament to that you can't control those things, but what you can control is how you show up. So figuring how you want to feel during birth and how you can still go back to feeling that way, even when things are going differently than what you expected. And and I love this language shift of what you want to have versus what you, you know, you didn't need it, you wanted it. Just it's that shift of, 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 yeah, how you show up makes a whole everything different. The mental work for sure. Yeah. So much. Oh, my goodness. What a fantastic, crazy story. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And at the end, she ended up being smaller than your second baby. Yeah. Yeah. She was 815. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up, what would you, is there anything that you wanted to say to the listeners that did we didn't get to? Or do you have, you know, any resources um, that they should check out or that were super helpful to you? So, you know, I, I felt like I kind of exhausted the resources that were available during my second pregnancy in terms of preparing for my VBAC. Um, so my third pregnancy, I just created the resources I thought I, I needed, you know, whatever I felt like was missing, I just kind of made it. Um, and so, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for me was that, everything that I was doing for myself, I was kind of bringing these women along this journey with me and trying to, you know, really just empower moms to make the best decisions for themselves. Whatever that decision is, if you want to plan a cesarean, I've been there. I know what that decision is like. So I support that. You know, um, if you want to have an epidural, I've been there too. I support that. And I might be there again one day. Although I said no more babies. So <laughs> I said, that's it. Um, <laughs> you know, and if you want to have a natural birth, I support that. It's just, I think, you know, all of us kind of supporting each other and, and letting moms know that it's okay to, you know, make the decision that's best for you and your family, but also not to make, like you said, make a decision based on fear and not to fear labor and birth. I mean, there are things about it that you can fear, um, but not to make decisions based in a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. And what was that last part? That you can do it that, you know, nobody ever told me that I could. And in my first two pregnancies, nobody ever told me I could have an unmedicated birth. I just really didn't think I could. And nobody said I could. And so I think one of my, one of my messages is that, you know, if you, if you think you can, or if you've never been told that, then let me be the one to tell you that, yes, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, you can. Um, Nicole, if people want to get in contact with you or follow what you're doing or join your Empowered Moms 
the Facebook group. How can they do that? Yeah. So we have the private group on Facebook, Empowered Moms, Become One, Support One. And then I also have a website with my blog. It's at www.nicolejoy.com, N-I-C-H-O-L-E, joy.com, on Instagram as well. And there's links to all that on my Facebook, I'm sorry, on my website. Um, I do a lot of fun, you know, mom life stuff on my Instagram stories. Now my blog, I have a lot of pre-recorded virtual childbirth ed classes that I leave up on the blog for free um, because I just, I really feel like women need the information. So I, all the classes that I taught during my pregnancy, I left recorded versions on my blog. And there's a group of stuff inside the private group too. And I go live every week. I do like a digital doula Q and a live, and I have all my moms come on and ask questions. And, you know, that's how I'm able to serve women right now where I'm at with three very young children at home, that it makes it hard for me to like go to a birth at three o'clock in the morning. So this is kind of how I'm supporting moms right now is, you know, virtually primarily. Mm, I love it so much. I'm going to go check it out and I'll add all those resources to the show notes for sure. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for coming on, on the Birthful podcast to share your story. It's been lots of fun. It's a, such a great story. Oh, it was an honor. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and much more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And if you're in the last months of pregnancy and feeling some anxiety about what life with a newborn is going to be like and how to best support your recovery, then do go register for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com. Take advantage of the Black Friday, Small Saturday, Cyber Monday, all the things sale that is going on right now for a whopping and unprecedented $70 off until November 30th. Use the code THANKFUL at birthfulcourses.com. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Vistaprint and Green Chef. Go to vistaprint.com and use the code BIRTHFULHOLIDAY for 50% off your cards and calendars and other discounts. And for $50 off your first box of Green Chef, then go to greenchef.us slash birthful. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network, a network of podcasts focused on parenting. Download the free Parents on Demand app on Apple and Android for easy on-the-go listening. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. Thank you.